Six weeks ago, we began a message series called Soul Survival. We have been looking at everything from Satan's ancient attacks that he consistently uses on God's people to modern lifestyle attacks that we each encounter in the hectic pace that we live in. I hope you'll understand as we've gone through this over the last six weeks that we are at war and that Satan is warring against our soul. And one reason we gather together on a Sunday morning is to do battle with Satan together as we worship God, as we remember what Jesus has done for us, as we come together as the army of God to declare that the victory is in Jesus. And let me tell you what we're looking for today. Today we're looking for a breakthrough. That's a military term. I'd like you to see the definition of that term. A breakthrough is a sudden military advance through enemy lines. Say that with me. A sudden military advance through enemy lines. That's what we're looking for today as we close out this series. We're looking for us to be able to make some advances, some sudden advances, some breakthroughs in your life and in the life of this church. And to be just completely upfront with you, as we begin this message today, today we are looking for every member of this church to recommit your life to being a minister of Jesus Christ. Looking for every member of this church to do that. Would you bow with me and pray? Oh God, as we come together today to study your word, Lord, we are looking for breakthroughs, Father. We need sudden moves into enemy territory, God, where you would give us victory. And Lord, you know I've been struggling with this all week long, Lord. What could really happen in this hour? Is it possible that we have a breakthrough? Is it possible that every member of this church could recommit themselves to being a minister of Jesus Christ? And Lord, I've heard Satan. I've heard his doubts. I've heard him say to me, you're pushing too far, too hard, too quick. But Lord, I've also seen your word. I've seen your people make breakthroughs overnight. I've listened to your promises that you are able to do more than we ask or imagine. And so, Lord, today we ask you, wherever we may be in our walk with you, that our souls will survive. And, God, that today we can have breakthroughs as a church to win this war with Satan. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the truth we're going to deal with today. I think it's a very convicting and challenging truth. The truth is, to save another soul is the best way to save one's own. That's a quotation from a commentary by William Barclay. To save another soul is the best way to save your own. That if you get involved with someone else, it's the best way for soul health and soul protection. You say, buddy, where do you get this? Let's look at an interesting passage. It's a little bit difficult to interpret. The last two verses of the practical book of James... James chapter 5. Let's start with verse 19. And remember, he says, brethren here, he's, he is addressing brothers and sisters in Christ. If anyone among you wonders from the truth. That word wonder, I think, is a very interesting word. You just sort of wonder. Another, some translations say you stray. It doesn't have to be a quick thing. It can be a slow, gradual wandering, as, as the book of Hebrews would say, drifting further and further away from the truth. The truth is not simply about what you believe. It's about what you live. 
It's not simply about the Word of God as the book. It's also about following the Word who is Jesus. So if someone wonders from the truth and someone turns him back, the, the little word there is the word to convert someone. Remember, he's talking about believers who've gone in the wrong direction. He says, if you will turn them back, you have converted them. Now, here's where the passage gets a little bit difficult to interpret. Verse 20, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, the question here in interpreting this is whose sins are actually covered. The text is ambiguous. The text does not really reveal whether it's the sins of the wanderer or the sins of the one who turns him back. Now, most of our modern translations have made an interpretive move to say it is the wanderer whose sins are forgiven than who is turned back. But that's not all interpretation of these verses. The NIV application commentary says, James intends for everyone to have the covering of their sins, both the wanderer and the one who brings him back. You see, in the first century, they were very serious about the community of Christ and the responsibilities to one another. They did not live the independent American lives that we live that even bleeds into our religion that says, I've got my own little personal relationship with Jesus. You've got your nice little personal relationship with Jesus. You do your thing and I'll do my thing. They were so tied together. And so as the NIV commentary says, it seems that he may be saying the sins of each are covered. James chapter 4 verse 17, he says, if you know something good to do and you don't do it, it's a sin. And so James is saying here is when we go to reach out to that wanderer, not only can they be saved from death, but we can also have our sins forgiven. You see, our position so often reminds me more of the position of Cain after he had murdered Abel and God came to him and God asked him, where is Abel? And Cain replies, come on, Lord, am I my brother's keeper? And today, too many of us think, you know what, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to take care of myself, you know, can't worry about anybody else. I'm going to be okay. Lord, am I my brother's keeper? Now listen to me. That was not the ancient interpretation of these verses. Origen writes this, a man who converts others will have his sins forgiven. A Hillary of Arley's, not to be confused with Hillary of Little Rock, said, Someone who preaches to sinners in order to convert them will save his soul, even if the people he preaches to are not actually converted. What's he saying? Guys, there is something it does for you when you make your life about somebody else. Well, if you don't like that passage, we can certainly find this in some other passages. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, Paul writes to young preacher Timothy, Watch your life and your doctrine closely, preserving them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It'll do them good, and it'll do you just as much good. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, and you who live by the Spirit 
should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's he saying? Part of fulfilling the law, the law of love, is that when we see someone wandering from the truth of God, that we are the one who goes after them. And the principle is, you'll be blessed in what you're doing. Now, here's the most simple passage about this. Those wonderful red letters in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where it quotes Jesus saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that's counterintuitive to us today. We think it's more blessed to receive than to give. The passage of Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We all understand that. Have you ever taught a Bible class, you know? In the conclusion of that Bible class, you said to yourself, you know what, I don't know what anybody else got out of this, but it did me an awful lot of good. Whenever you serve, whenever you teach, whenever you give, you are blessed. In fact, you are blessed in reaching out to that person who doesn't know Jesus. And it even spiritually affects you. Now, why is this true? The statement, to save another soul is the best way to save one's own. Why is that true? It does seem counterintuitive. It doesn't match the way we're taught to live in today's culture. Let me give you some reasons. I was brainstorming with our staff the other day. I like what Paul Evans said, when you focus on yourself, we already know those results. When you make self the center of your life, you know where that's going to lead you. Though it may seem like the right thing to do, it's going to lead you to misery. I would say it's true because when you begin to reach out to someone else, it protects you. My friends, when I'm trying to lead my friend to Jesus Christ, you know what it says to me? I want to live a life in front of them that will not turn them against the gospel. I'm going to watch what I do because what I do impacts them. Also, I think this is true because of what Paul said in Galatians 6. You will be fulfilling the law of Christ. You want to be fulfilled? You want to have real joy in your life? Get on a mission for God that's bigger than you. I also think when you begin to tell people about Jesus, and you begin to convert and reconvert according to James, it makes our message more real. Listen to me. Every time I have the privilege to sit down and tell somebody the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you what, it does it for me. Every time you have the chance to sit down and tell the simple story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, there's that moment when you're sharing that, where in your mind you think, this is amazing. This is almost too good to believe. It makes it real for you. And I like what one of our guys said. This is just the way God set the world up. It's like the law of gravity. The truth is, it doesn't have to make sense to you for it to be true that to save another soul is the best way to save your own. So this morning, like I said up front, we're looking for spiritual breakthrough. Here's the spiritual breakthrough we're looking for today in every member of this church that you and I will accept God's calling to be a minister. You see, guys, if we're not really careful, we bought a false doctrine that says the paid ministers 
of our staff, those are the only ministers that we have. That's not the teaching of Scripture. He was quite radical in 2 Peter chapter 2, where they begin to preach and teach about the priesthood of all believers. What does it say in there? Every one of us is a priest serving God. What was a priest? A priest was the go-between between people and God. And here's the good news in the church is we don't have to go through anybody. We all become priests with direct access with God. It's not one person. It's everybody. And so one of the coolest doctrines of the New Testament is the priesthood of all believers. In our term, it would be the ministry of all believers. So I want you to know this morning that every one of us is a minister of Christ. Now, some of us are really, really blessed to get paid to do this. And the only reason you pay us is to free our time so we can do things 24 hours a day, okay? But nonetheless, you are every bit a minister as I am. I love a friend of mine. This was years ago. His name was Larry Pope. He was a really fired up high school guy. And uh, they had a preacher come to their church and, and preach this. He said, I want to tell you guys, everybody is a minister. And then Larry walked out in the parking lot after church and noticed that there were a few parking spaces that said, ministers parking only. Now Larry was a fired up kind of guy. He wasn't putting up with that. So the next Saturday night, past midnight, him and three or four of his other fired up friends went in that parking lot and wrote on every space with paint, ministers parking only. Well, needless to say, a lot of people the next Sunday were confused. But let me tell you this. Larry Pope was not confused about Scripture. That's what it teaches, is that every one of us is a minister. And guys, when we begin to believe that, that changes everything. It changes the way you walk into this assembly. It will change what you do after this assembly. It will change what you do when you go to work. It will change how you behave when you go to school. It will change what you do with your home and the people you have in your home. It will change what you do with your phone. It will change everything about your life if you begin to believe that you literally are a minister. I've been challenging a couple friends of mine lately, you know, who I know have incredible potential to, to reach out for God and to be impactful. That They need to begin to look at themselves as ministers. And so I'm asking them these kind of questions. Well, you know, who you been calling this week? Who you been texting for Jesus? Who you been talking to about Jesus? I'll never forget one of them said to me, he said, buddy, let me tell you, he said, um, I don't call people. This is just the way it's always been. My friends always call me. I mean, that, I mean, ever since I've been a kid, that's just sort of the way it did. They call me. I said, man, that is absolutely wrong, all right? That's not the way it ought to be. If we're ministers of Jesus Christ, my friends, we're going to look for that person who sits on this front row today and call and check on them. We're going to look for that guest and want to care about them. We're going to look for that person who's not a Christian, you know, and we're going to take the initiative. We're not going to sit back and hope they might come. Oh, no, why not? Because we are ministers of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what would happen? In our roles today, we have about 1,500 people listed as members of this church. How about if we could change the label of that role from members to ministers? It would be incredible. 
Let me tell you some things that would happen. A church full of ministers would have some breakthroughs, okay? And I, I want to talk this morning about three breakthroughs that we need to make as a church. Now, quite often from this pulpit, I challenge you about three attendance commitments that we want you to make. We want you to go to Sunday morning assembly, be a part of a Bible class, and be in a small group. That's, but, but listen, really those are about you getting fed. We want you to be a part of an assembly that motivates you out of your mind to walk out of here and live for Jesus. We want you to be in a Bible class where you are deep into God's Word that equips you to go out and live for Jesus. We want you to be in a small group where you have literally relationships and support to help you become like Jesus. Those are important. But today, I want to talk about the things that should happen because of those things. The kind of breakthroughs that we will have when it's not me just sitting here going, okay, what's the church doing for me? Who spoke to me? Was Buddy owner off today? How was the worship? Oh, no, 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 no. That's not the way a minister thinks. A minister thinks, I am here to serve. That's really what the word minister means. Serve. So, here's our number one challenge. Service. We need breakthrough in this church about service. Now, here's a couple problems we got, guys. Let's be honest. Our guest today, just know that we are an open church that doesn't mind talking about where we need to improve, all right? We have to beg people to sign up for ministry, often. This summer, you might remember when I had to get up one Sunday just to recruit Sunday morning Bible class teachers for our children. We send out emails, we send out postcards, we go through faith works, we beg people to sign up. Now, that's one issue. Shouldn't be happening in this church. We know better than that. Another issue is not only got to beg people to sign up, then on top of that, you've got to beg people to show up. You know, I, I, I don't get to encounter this as much as our ministry leaders, but we have a real problem that on Faith Works Sunday, many, many, many of you sign up to do certain ministries. Maybe you sign up to be a part of the grass-cutting team, or maybe you sign up to work in the nursery or to drive and ride that inner city bus. Well, here, here, that's cool, man. That didn't take much effort checking that box. But here's where the problem comes. When it's your turn to serve the nursery and you don't show up. When it's your turn to cut the grass and you don't meet the grass-cutting team. When it's your turn to reach out in inner city and you're not there. Your turn to make the telephone calls for telecare and you don't do it. Guys, I, I can't tell you the amount of postcards, the amount of phone calls, the amount of emails. I mean, I think we do a pretty good job as a church trying to let people know what's happening. And here's the most amazing thing I hear. I have a hard time believing it. That many will call, get a phone call on Saturday night and say, I'm going to show up. And then on Sunday morning, even after that phone call, after a postcard, after an email on Sunday morning, they don't show up at their task. Guys, here's what I'm saying this morning. This is what excites me. We could have a breakthrough today about this. If each of us will recommit our lives to be a minister of Jesus Christ. Now I know this is a mammoth test. This is a mammoth task. We counted up this week in our children's ministry just on Sunday to run our nursery, security, teachers, helpers. We have to have 88 volunteers every Sunday. That's pretty mammoth. Now, moving beyond children, to adult education, to teen education, to greeters, to tech support, to, to the building and grounds, to security. We add another 84 volunteers needed 
each week. 88 in children, 80 to 84 in adults. That's, that's a total of 100, and this is not counting any paid staff, that is a total of 172 volunteers that we got to have every Sunday. Now, in a church of 1,500 people, that ought to be able to happen. We ought to be able to have a breakthrough. I dream of the day when we have more volunteers than we have slots. Now, the number 172, that's not counting all the ministries that go on, like Family Promise and Compassion 21, and you name it, outside of the Sunday morning assembly. That's not even counting Wednesday night. I'm telling you, it takes 174 volunteers to do what we do well on Sunday morning. And here's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for a breakthrough today. I'm praying and believing that something could happen even here today that we would just break through that problem and not be a problem. Let me give you another area where we're praying for a breakthrough. It's in the area of giving, all right? In the area of giving. Our weekly budget is $33,911. If you've watched the last few years of economic tough times, we have cut the budget, we have cut expenses, we have frozen salaries, we've done lots of things that needed to do, just like you're doing in your family and in your business. But here, here's what's, what's scared me, is at this point, we are under budget about $2,000 a week. All right, when you average it out through the year, about $2,000 a week. And, and here's what's happening, is it, it's beginning to cut into ministries. And more than that, it's beginning to cut into what we can dream about doing. Now, years ago, when the economy was rocking, and every year we were over budget, listen to me, man, when a great idea came up, we were immediately able to embrace it. It's like, you know what? You need to do that in the community? We've got the funds. Let's go for it. I think about this week. I encountered Ed Vice. Most of you know Ed. Oh, uh, uh, oversees our recovery ministry. does an incredible job. Many of you may not know, down on Highland Avenue, he runs a program called The Shed. There's four houses there. They're recovery houses. One of the greatest ministries that we have. And many of you are a part of that. I was sitting down with Ed this week, and Ed said, you know, buddy, you know, things have gotten tight. Or, you know, we're, we're, we're scared we're going to have to cut back on some of that because it's really gotten tight. And here's what I could have said to Ed four or five years ago. I could have said, Ed, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the elders, and I'll guarantee you we're going to have the money. I mean, it, it would have been as simple as that. I've seen our shepherds find, about, find out about a couple in need get up right then and go write a check for $1,000 and deliver it to their doorstep. That's the way things are when our people generously give. But today, I couldn't say that to Ed Vice. I couldn't say, man, Ed, I know we can find that because right now we can't. And I think of other areas, you know, that we would like to be able to make breakthroughs. We have an incredible adoption support group. We want to be able to help these people that are adopting babies. When they have that emergency phone call and they got to get by plane tickets for $1,500 to go to Russia to pick up that baby, and that's where they, you know, they've saved everything else, they paid everything else, and we don't, we can't say to them right now, we'll help you out. 
There's so much more we can do in the Life Center to reach out in the community around us. And right now, we can't say that we could do it. And what I'm saying to you guys is if we start giving generously, it can happen. And here's what I know. Let me just tell you what I know. This will be really up front. Many of you give generously already. Many, many of you. In tough economic times, you're giving way beyond what many people would do. And we thank you for that. We know that's true. I also know there are many of us who give, but when it comes to the biblical concept of tithing or 10%, we are way, way below that. And maybe not even growing in this. And this is what really shocks me. And I've just sort of found this out lately, because I, I don't try to look at giving. I don't want to know what you give. I don't want to know. But there are many who don't give a thing. You say, buddy, how do you know this? Well, every year, I'm asked to sign a form called the McKinney Scholarship. You guys know what that is? If your kid attends Alabama Christian Academy, um, you will get a discount if you attend a Church of Christ. All right? So for some of you, that should be good motivation for you to place membership the next couple of weeks. All right? I've seen it. You'll get a discount. But I've never read that sheet very closely because I sign dozens of them every year. I read it the other day and it says, for me to sign that form, you must be a contributing member of this church. Uh-oh. I've started to ask. I don't ask for figures. I just ask for the giving. And I'm finding out many of you just aren't giving. Now, the lesson here is not to go to someone else to have your McKinney scholarship signed, all right? <laughs> that, that'd be pretty easy. The, the challenge here is for those of us that aren't giving, do we really believe God's promises? Now, guys, I'm dealing with low motivation right now. I'm dealing with the biblical motivation, but this is the lowest motivation, is for you to give so incredible ministry can happen from this church. That's the highest motivation is that you give to glorify God. Because what would happen in this church if we began to give to glorify God? I'm telling you, we would be able to accomplish ministry. We would not have to say, Ed, I'm sorry right now, the church can't help. You know what we got to do right now? we got to have special contribution after special contribution to support these things. I dream of the day when we don't have to have a special shed contribution, a special agape contribution, that we just all are generous enough in our everyday giving, every week giving, that that is taken care of. And guys, what I believe is that today we could have a breakthrough on that if you and I be convicted about that, and we won't have to worry about that. Now, I know many of you are in tough economic times. I'm not trying to be unaware of that. But in the midst of this is our opportunity to be faithful to God. And then one other area, the area of outreach. If you will see yourself as a minister of reconciliation, my goodness, you will have the greatest thrill of your life. We're seeing a lot of people come to Christ this year. But one thing I do notice is we're not seeing a lot of adults come to Christ. And thus, many of us need to recommit our lives to being ministers of reconciliation. I ask you this morning, who are you trying to reach for Jesus? Who are you inviting to friend day? Who do you believe that God could use you 
And I think about last Sunday, that picture that Mark just showed you of Keith baptizing John Yates. It was one of the most beautiful scenes. Like Brenda Smith said afterward, that's the most beautiful baptism I've ever seen. Because there's just something so cool and so powerful about, about a, a, a two people who've known each other, even been in trouble together, you know, who now one is led the other to Christ. That's a thrill. Now, when I go over these three areas, I know you may say what I have often said. Buddy, the truth is, every church struggles in these three areas. And you, I, I can't name a church that doesn't struggle with volunteers. I can't only name a church today that doesn't struggle with giving. And let's be really honest. There are very few evangelistic churches among us. But are we going to allow that to be our excuse? That most churches are this way? I'm telling you guys, I don't want to be a part of every church. I want to be a part of a church on a mission for God. I want to be a part of a church that's above average. I want to be a part of a church that says, you know what, my, we got more volunteers than we need because everybody's so fired up about getting back there. We talk about being on a mission. You can get back there and teach children about Jesus. So we, we want to be a part of a church where we're not the normal church, and that's not the excuse. Let's decide that we're going to be not the church that's going to keep struggling with volunteers and giving and outreach. We're going to be the church that by the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going to have a breakthrough in these areas. I'm preaching this because I believe we could do it. I believe by the power of God we could do it. I believe if you are listening and allowing yourself to be convicted, it could happen. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you today to recommit yourself to being a minister in this church. In a moment, just a few moments, a few minutes, I'm going to ask you, at the time of the invitation, we're going to let everybody be seated. I'm going to ask you, if you are willing to do this, would you stand? If you're our guest, please, don't feel any pressure to stand. Even if you're a member, don't stand unless you meet. Well, let me say this. I, I know just standing is pretty easy. So let me get more specific with the challenge. Let me give you a challenge that if you stand, I want you to take, okay? Because I think this would take care of these breakthroughs. Here's the challenge. Would you be willing to set aside one hour this week to evaluate your life in these three areas, involvement, giving, outreach, and contact people for Friend Day? I'm asking you. If you stand today, that not only are you saying you recommit yourself to be a minister, but you are saying this week, I am going to set aside an hour to reevaluate my life in these three areas. And to call a few people, text a few people, email a few people that I want to have with me at Friend Day. Now here's the sad news today. For many of us, you hear that and you think to give up that hour is a challenge. You're thinking, how am I going to fit that in? God's thinking, has our commitment level dropped so low that we can't take an hour 
to evaluate our lives and to reach out to someone in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. Are you willing to do this? And here's the good news. Here's the good news. The good news is the person that reaches out to save another soul is doing the best to save their soul. That if you will take this challenge to be a minister, you will be closer to God than you have ever been. So could we have a breakthrough? I've been preaching my heart out for six weeks. As hard and strong and passionate as I know. The question is, am I going to be different? The question is, are we going to take this soul survival thing serious? Today we've got a challenge you can arrive to. And here's what I want to do. As you think about whether you're going to stand or not, the worship team has learned a beautiful song. It's called, O Church, Arise. You're going to see the words up here on the screen. But as you think about whether you are willing, now, when I say recommit, I'm not saying you're not committed. I'm talking, if you are a committed person, this is the moment to recommit. If you've not been a committed person, this is the moment to recommit. But I want you to contemplate whether you are going to stand and take this challenge or not. And I'll extend it in just a moment. But first of all, I want you to listen and reflect on these words. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak and say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, we'll stand against the devil's eyes and army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor, and with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the price for which he died, and inheritance of nations. Where love 
then see his foes life rush beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen and as the stone is rolled away and christ emerges from the grave the victory march continues till the day every high and heart will see him so spirit come Put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle, that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of stand in glory. Well, today I, I ask you, as we sing a song in just a moment, we're going to handle the invitation a little bit differently. We ask you just to be seated. If you are ready as a member of this church to recommit yourself, to say, I'm all in, I want to be a minister, I want to stand for Christ, even today, I'm willing to take that hour and go evaluate my life this week. If you're willing to do that, I'm going to ask you to stand. If today you've never committed your life to Jesus and you are ready to become a Christian, I'm telling you, the call is bold, but the blessings are even better. And today, if you'd like to follow Jesus, just meet me down here on this front row. Or maybe today you're the person from our text who has wandered from the truth. You've slowly but surely drifted and wandered and strayed. Today, you need to confess sin and you need to make your life right with God. Would you meet me on this front row? In this time of decision, it's my prayer that we are going to have breakthrough. I love that term, breakthrough. A sudden military advance through enemy lines. What I believe today is that right in this moment, as a church, in these areas we've addressed, we could have a breakthrough for Jesus Christ. So please, only stand, brothers and sisters, if you're willing to make that commitment. If you need to go home and think about it more, feel free to do that. Today, we're looking for a breakthrough. The truth is, the more you do to bless someone else's soul, the more you'll bless your soul. So you know the three options. You need to commit your life to Jesus. Maybe down here you can be baptized today. If you need to stop straying and wondering, you know it's gone that far, why don't you come and recommit and be embraced by this church? If you need simply to recommit your life to being a minister of Jesus Christ, then just stand where you are. Paul, will you start our song? Live in our hearts, fill this body, stir our spirit, help us serve. Walk with our feet to the hurting, let 
Let us be you. Revive your church. Let us be you on this earth. Let us be you when a wound is all cries out for hope. Let us be you when the lonely need to know they're not alone. Just as your stars pierce through the night, let us forever shine your light. Let us be you. Let us be you. With our hands touch this city, Lord, let our mouth speak your truth. Use our blessings to bring justice. Let us be you. Revive your church.